the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into our three. It is a delight to do so with Sam Stone. Sam Stone on your ride home. You can follow Sam on Twitter at Sam the Paul, at Sam the P-O-L for uh, political expert, politician, politico. He is also a, a political consultant in town and the host of his own radio show here every Saturday afternoons at 3 p.m., breaking battlegrounds he does with his buddy uh, chuck warren sam how are you today brother happy thursday seth happy thursday to you uh sam i just got breaking news i'm going to make this uh offer to you on air if you'd like um okay i don't know if you have plans for the next republican debate but if you don't i am supposed to do a um uh, a post-debate analysis in studio and if you would like to do it with me i am told they will provide us dinner I, I'm in. Okay, there. That's a that's a plan. When is the? Debate? I think it's November eighth or something like that. But we have time. We have time to think about the bill of fare. Uh, we have time to okay. think about what kinds of food we want. Okay. I mean, I mean, I feel I feel like you know these things are kind of a marathon, and so we're yeah. going to need a smorgasbord. We're going to need yeah. We're going to need a little a little sampling. Maybe maybe. Oh, D- David. Uh, talk to the sales team and see if they can sell a sponsor to provide us food for it. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding, actually. Uh, this, yeah, no, this that's, is a, a, really that's good a good idea. idea. This is a really good idea. Uh, will you do it? I don't see your fingers typing. As long as we have an on-air analysis of the food. Yeah, all of that. They'll get good promo. Of course we will. Of course we will. We, should, we, should we have them try Greek Fest, Seth? Greek Fest might be a thought. Uh, Z's Greek might be a thought. Tony's uh, Italian. That's the one you like, right, is a thought. Oh, yeah. All of, DeFalco's all of those are is fantastic. a thought. Uh, all of these are good thoughts, Sam. David, yeah. you got to get this to the suits upstairs in sales. I, th- th- this is really coming together. They need now. to come through on this one. <laughs> this is coming. They need to come through. We're, we're, we're yeah. we'll, we'll be working. I mean, we're coming through. <laughs> Sam, okay, I have so much to talk to you about. First, let me do this. New York Times. My God. Here's the headline: For Republicans, all roads lead to the U.S.-Mexico border. GOP lawmakers and candidates regularly invoke record-high border crossings to address a range of issues, including crime and jobs. Bear with me. Crime in cities, the national opioid crisis, election integrity, and now a terror attack considered the deadly stay for Jews in Israel's 75-year uh, history. And the whole story is about Republicans exploiting these issues. Can I suggest that these issues damn well need exploiting? They need exploiting, well, and just because Republicans are talking about it doesn't mean that's the problem. The problem is that Democrats have done nothing about it. That's what the story should be. That, well, that's what the story should be. And the other part of the story is that every one of those things is tied to the border with yeah. the possible exception of election integrity. Right. I mean, right. Right. you know, come on. This is to, to try to claim that a totally unsecured border where we have hundreds of thousands and millions of people who are coming here – and then they, they call them gotaways, right? Right. Well, so this isn't like the old days when the gotaways were 
a mix of everybody coming across the border. Today, if you're a gotaway, it's because you're doing something illegal or you've already been deported, you're not allowed in this country, that sort of thing. Otherwise, you show your goal in getting here is to have a Border Patrol agent not apprehend you because they don't do that, but interact with you and be able to give you your work visa and everything else that they're doing these days to let you in as a fake refugee. So if, you, if you're not playing the fake refugee game, there's a reason, and it's because you are a criminal. This, and and yeah, so you've go got ahead. all these people coming over here, and then to say that, oh, none of those can be terrorists when we know that hundreds and hundreds of people on the terrorist watch list have been found at the border. Well, tell me why they're coming here from Afghanistan, Egypt, Iran, and Syria. Here are the numbers, Sammy. Uh, from October to October 2023, 21 to 23, 6,386 from Afghanistan, 6,386 from Afghanistan, 3,153 from Egypt, 659 from Iran, 538 from Syria. We know what 19 can do, Sam. But th- those are the numbers we know. Yeah, right. Those, those are the numbers we know. Those include the Right, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Those are the numbers we know. So the New York Times says not long after Hamas terrorists killed and kidnapped hundreds of Israelis this month, a wave of Republicans reached for a familiar playbook, familiar playbook, Sam, tying the issue to the nation's southern border. Uh, Question for you, Sam. Um, The attack on Israel that they're talking about, the Hamas terrorist attack, did that have to do with the border? I believe it did. In fact, it did. I seem to remember people having to use things like paragliders to cross that border and to cut a fence. Tunnels, breaches, and paragliders. It was a breach of border. Yeah. So Republicans reaching for a familiar playbook. Um, I got to tell you. This is so asinine. It's it, it. The New York Times is is just literally against America. I mean, it must take some kind of a twelve year old to think that this is an a story worth writing, that this is about well, remember, Republicans exploiting an issue that shouldn't be talked about. This is coming on the heels of the New York Times on the front page printing a photo of a supposedly destroyed hospital in Gaza that was not any 50 miles thing. away. I, mean, I think it was 50, 50, 50 miles 50, away. 50 or and, 50, and it wasn't a hospital. Yeah. It was it yeah. was a it was a not you know, it was a building right. that Hamas was using right. for their activities. Right. But it was not a hospital. Right. And they put that on the front page and they knew what they were doing. Yep. Yep. This this organization now, I mean, it's they are so far from anything resembling news as to be completely embarrassing to those of us who still believe in journalism. But for them, they're not there to present the public with facts or anything like that. They're there to push a narrative. The New York Times is no different than Pravda. I mean, it really is just an outlet, a mouthpiece for the far left with no consideration for the truth or reality in anything they're talking about. I remember, I, you probably had this too, we're, we're, uh, we're close to the same age. I remember in eighth grade we learned about these fights between William Randolph Hearst and Pulitzer's World for having what for engaging in what was called your, yellow journalism. Yellow journalism mm-hmm. invented stories, invented stories yep. to excite people, by the way, into war. Into war. Yep. What the New York Times is doing is that is just that. That's exactly it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And and look, I, you know, I think your your monologue today I thought was was brilliant and right on point because you're asking the question that nobody else seems to be asking, which was 
why why is there some sort of acceptance among you know even people on the right don't aren't asking the question why was it okay or you know for Hamas why were they attacking Israelis and Israel in the first place why were they firing rockets why were they launching these attacks in the first place right right I, it, there's, exactly there's no, right there's I, no right to do that and and we just accept it as if oh well okay so. The first story that the New York Times and Bloomberg and CBS and NBC and literally every news outlet ran with Israel attacks or Israel responsible for the bombing of a hospital in Gaza City, 500 dead, up to 500 dead. Everyone ran with that. The New York Times ran, as you say, with a picture of a bombed out building that wasn't the hospital. Um, Give it a day. And it's not a hospital. It's a parking lot next to us. It's not anywhere near 500. The latest reporting is somewhere yeah. between 25 and 50. And, oh, not Israel's rocket, Islamic Jihad's right. rocket. And no one wants to report on this because it's not a war crime if Islamic Jihad does If a terrorist organization, if a designated terrorist organization does it, it's not a war crime and the Arabs who got killed didn't get killed. That's the way right. the news media is behaving right now. But can we stop and give a little bit of thanks to Elon Musk? Because without him right now, this narrative that the left media is trying to present would be totally uncontested. That's exactly right. And why? Yeah, your, your point. Why the hell are they allowed to fire rockets? Why is that just expected and okay behavior? What are they firing rockets for? Who are they firing rockets at and why? Here's the answer. To finish the job of October 7th. That's the only reason they should be firing. They would be firing rockets. To finish the that, job. That's exactly right. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Look, uh, they are trying very, very hard to turn this into a world war. And the reason is simple. I mean, if you look around, this is if your goal is, is an Islamic jihadi uh, state to cover the world, doing this at a time when Joe Biden has proven to be as weak as he is, doing this when the United States is tied down, spending huge amounts of our resources on Ukraine, doing this while we're concerned about China and having to make moves to counter their potential aggression against Taiwan and other states in the Far East. While all this is happening is the perfect time for this. And these media dupes are going along with it. And they are they may literally end up being responsible for starting World War Uh, Three. That's exactly what they wanted. They wanted to excite tensions and excite and 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 energize publics into into basically another secondary pogrom wave. Let me take a quick, quick commercial break, Sam Stone. I'll come right back to you in a moment. I'm Seth Leaps and he's Sam Stone. Follow him on Twix. We call it Twix at Sam the Paul P.O.L. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Sam Stone is my guest. Sam, there are so many cultural elements to this story um, that we've been talking about. Uh, obviously, the attack from October 7th and its aftershocks. The media exercising and energizing um, uh, attitudes, ideas, and I think activating actions. The Middle East is additionally on fire because of the way the media handle this. I mean, it... it Iran and the Arab Street totally took the first narrative that the media irresponsibly ran with to create more enmity and energy against Israel. Now, the other thing that was shocking and created its own debate here in America was the way college students reacted. And I want to get to that in a minute. That's a really big debate. But what the hell with these professors, Sam? What about these professors, these doctors, these professors who say things like Israelis are pigs, savages? Very bad people, irredeemable excrement. Where did this all all of a sudden – what rock did all these professors come from under? 
You know, there's actually a really good piece. I, I don't know if they published it today or yesterday in the New York Post by a woman who was a former uh, you know, DEI director for a university. Yeah. And she talks about this and, and you know, talks about how DEI is essentially a vehicle for virulent anti-Semitism. And that when she tried to push present alternative views, she was basically driven from the university and from that position. And, you know, the thing of it is, at the end of the day, she correctly identifies that diversity, equity, and inclusion, those words are just a cover. And what they are a cover for is a radical Marxian philosophy, um, you know, critical theory, obviously, which underlies the whole thing. Um, and look, one of the preconditions for bringing the of Marxian critical theory to to fruition is that you have to first destroy the existing systems. And if you want to destroy a, a, the United States, you want to destroy the world order, uh, you want to destroy nations around the globe, then breeding these kinds of racial hatreds and regional conflicts is one of the most effective things you can do. Yeah. And unfortunately, these professors, I don't even believe these are useful fools. I, I believe these are malign, malicious actors who need to be driven from the public sphere and certainly from any sphere in which they have contact with impressionable uh, youth. Amen to that, Sam. Absolutely right. I think you're right, too, about the DEI nexus. I mean, it comes from a a kind of 1950s, 1960s rejiggering of language uh, sponsored by the Soviet Union um, when they when when Khrushchev, Nikita Khrushchev uh, tried to unite third world revolutionaries into the Soviet fold by defining the world as the West versus colonialists, imperialists and racists. That was the trifecta he put together, colonialists, imperialists and racists. <clears throat> and these professors now um, fully steeped in that Marxist doctrine uh, embrace the – the, the 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 idea of all three of those words interesting isn't it that those three words are the ones that are always used against Israel particularly the one including colonial and racism more than imperialist these days all these professors all of them believe it hook line and sinker from Cornell to the university that you were talking about Dr Tosca in Chicago all of them all of them Washington University the, they all buy into this the interesting thing is that I don't even want to give them actual credit for believing it I, I don't think I think they're fully aware of the history and the fact that uh, Jewish people have been the predominant settlers of that region for most of the last three plus thousand years and they know that intellectually but that fact is contrary to the ideological outcome they prefer. And so they bury that fact and pretend that it doesn't exist to call it all those things you just mentioned, mm -hmm. to, to brand the Jewish home state as being a colonial uh, actor, as being an apartheid state and all these other things that it is most definitely not. I mean, the history of the region is very clear. Like I said, there are thousands of years of history, known history of Jews settling that area, the land of Judea, as their homeland. The idea of Palestine wasn't created until uh, circa World War II. Yeah, that's right. In fact, when Egypt uh, illegally owned Gaza and Jordan illegally owned the West Bank, there was, there was, there was no quest for a Palestinian state. The PLO was founded 
to attack Israel in those years, again, by the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union created the PLO to be part and parcel of this whole this whole toxic uh, notion that we're talking about. But these, yeah, and, yeah, and if ahead. I can, yeah, can it, you know, I'm sure you remember and have seen uh, the video of the KGB defector Yuri yeah. Bismanov, yeah. right? Um, you know, warning about, and this was this was a long time ago now when he did this, like 35, 40 years ago. Um, but he talked very extensively about the KGB's efforts to undermine America by planting seeds in all of our universities that would grow Marxist critical theory. And they have succeeded. And, you know, at the end of the day, the really ridiculous thing is we we talk about McCarthyism uh, historically as a very negative thing, right? The real real crime of history might be that it didn't go far enough. By the time it's all said and done that – that they didn't actually go around and root out all of these people and throw them out into the streets and eject them from every university. Uh, Because right now you're seeing a lot of them who made these statements make retractions. Those retractions are false. The original statement was their belief, and they're only backing up now. Again, this is part of the Marxist playbook. You only back up when you're forced to. I agree with and that. And then you, you, you regain that ground in the future. But I, you're, it's I agree a with that. Retreat. I don't know how on day one you can say Israelis are pigs and savages and irredeemable excrement, downright evil on day one and on day two say, sorry, I didn't mean it. You just took it seriously. And now I have to say that, you know, right. that language, by the way, that very kind of language, in this case, a professor out of Chicago, right? Um <laughs> After 9-11, you may recall this, after 9-11, people like Steve Emerson and Daniel Pipes and the people that understood the Middle East and studied the Arab world, uh, Fouad Ajami, people like this, they were writing about that kind of language found in and throughout the Middle East, the madrasas and the schools. And and we were kind of, not you and I, because we were studied on this, but a lot of Americans were kind of shocked that that kind of language was taught to kids in the Arab street and in the madrasas around the world. They were kind of shocked. Oh, they're learning this. This is how they learn to hate Jews and Christians. And this is where the monkeys and pigs stuff comes from. Okay. My God, Sam, they were shocked about it being in madrasas abroad. It's at Chicago and Columbia and Cornell. It, it is. And, you know, the mechanism for both the worldwide uh, madrasas and for the infiltration here uh, in our universities, it's taken a lot of money and it takes a lot of money to continue to do this, this infiltration that they have have achieved. And we, you can trace it. I mean, frankly, the lack of willingness to fully exploit and take advantage of American energy has created this weakness for us Absolutely because right. It is oil money, Middle Eastern oil money. The Saudis made a deal with the Wahhabis, you know, when the kingdom was founded, that they would split the profits from the oil monies. The kingdom would control the religious life. uh, The the Wahhabis would control the religious life. The kingdom and their family would control the secular life. And they would fund the creation of all these radical the Wahhabis were, were known as, as like the most radical sect in the Middle East. Hold that right there. And we'll be right back. Has, Hold it right there. Given them billions. Yeah, be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Sam Stone, my guest, host of Breaking Battlegrounds, heard here Saturdays at 3 p.m. on 960. Sam, you were making the point about the Wahhabis and uh, the House of uh, the House of Saud and how the Wahhabis would control religious life, and they made these kind of devil's deals or these devil's bargains. And the U.S. had to buy into large parts of this to get the energy, that the oil that uh, we, we, we consume. Uh, your point about energy independence is is perfectly apt and on point here. What's interesting to me is you have these leftist liberal academics who are buying into the Wahhabist narrative, a narrative, as I continually point out, that represents none of the things these people really stand for when it comes to their domestic policy and social issue agenda. They don't believe in women's rights. They don't believe in LGBTQ rights. They don't believe in abortion rights. They they repress women, uh, you know, in such a way that Masih Alenajad, this Iranian activist in America, had Iranian agents breach America's borders to try and assassinate her. They don't. They yeah. don't share anything except a hatred of the West, a Marxist-infused hatred of the West. That's all they share, and it, it they would be the first to be killed. By the way. They'd be the first to be killed. Yeah, no, that's I mean, that's the thing, right? You have all of these people who, based on their lifestyle, the average jihadi would happily pitch them off the nearest building. Right. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, behead them, stone them to death. Take your pick of how they're going out. But if you if they if the jihadis get their hands on any of these people here in America who are defending them, the people who are defending them would die. Yeah. And so I'm sorry, you have to be a special kind of stupid to be supporting people who admittedly, happily, and with extensive history to prove they will carry out their threat would kill you in a heartbeat. That's just, you're, you're, you're beyond the point of stupidity there. You have gone straight into parody. It's theater. I, I don't know how these people can understand their own framework when they're willing to defend people who have such patently illiberal ideas across the board. As Jamie Kirchick said, it's like blacks for the KKK. That's what it's like. Yeah, it's, yes. it's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's the professorial. Let's talk about the college students for a moment, this great debate that uh, is taking place as to whether uh, it's the right thing or the wrong thing to hold these students' statements of a similar ilk against them when it comes to internships, um, when it comes to uh, hiring at law firms, when it comes to being hired in the professions once they graduate graduate school. This was the debate that uh, was probably most prominently played out between Megyn Kelly and Candace Owens. I have to tell you, Sam, uh, you know, Candace was making the argument that, you know, a lot of college students change their mind and have conversion stories. Um, I've hired ex-BLM proponents. It's not the same thing. I mean, a political point of view is different from visual genocide. And I can expect it, it, more of 17 and 18 year olds. I, that's why we sometimes try them as adults, by the way, when they're I, I would I would be more inclined, actually, to give ground to the 17 and 18 year olds than I am to the 23 and 24 year old grads. Uh, of course, the scale should slide so, a little bit. Yes, of course. Yeah. I mean, it, it really depends where you are. You know, it, once you're at that point where you're pursuing or you've received advanced degrees and that sort of thing that, you know, I'm sorry. These views are murderous. They are evil. There's no getting around that. And the fact that they're sincerely held is a significant character question mark. But also, 
I have a very hard time feeling bad for the left on this when cancel culture is their creation. Yeah, someone said that. Yeah, go ahead with that. I want to talk about that. Well, you know, it's one thing if you're running around canceling people for donating like they did with Brandon Ike, who was the CEO of Mozilla, who donated five thousand dollars like 20 years ago to Prop 8 in California, right. which was the, you know, one man, one woman. Now, that's at a time when Barack Obama. Yeah, I was just going to say when he donated to the to, yeah. to, to, to the to the side that Barack Obama supported. Yeah. So so, you know, I mean, and you're canceling him and, and destroyed his life and took his job away over that. But then you say it's unfair to have a job offer rescinded because you are cheering on the murder of women and children. I'm so, sorry. You yeah. need to just sit down and go away. You're, you're yeah. Not Someone on Twitter person. wrote wrote uh, or on Twix wrote uh, wrote. I thought you guys were against culture, cancel culture. And one what said, yeah, we were, but you won. <laughs> you know, yeah, we were, but you won. Yeah, you were for it. And you won. You won the fight. Let me take a quick break, Sam. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson show. That's uh, Orlean. Sam Stone is my guest. He is uh, the host of Breaking Battlegrounds, heard here every Saturday at 3. Um, and Sam the Paul on Twix, political consultant in town. That band Orleans that sings that song, Sam, they had a member who was in the House of Representatives, a Democrat, John Hall. He was the lead singer, I believe, for the band Orleans. And uh, he was uh, in Congress for about um, about uh, eight years, I believe, representing upstate New York. Anyway, that's yeah, our- yeah, I actually remember that a little bit. Um, you know, one of the interesting things, I think, is that the 60s era musicians yeah. um, might have been fairly liberal for the most <laughs> yes, part. I think that's but they were say. actually pretty thoughtful liberals compared to our modern well they gave a damn about human rights they gave a damn about human rights they would sing songs against the kinds of things that islamic jihad and hamas is doing i i mean yeah look i i'm all for being anti-war as long as you're anti-war all the time yeah right yeah i mean i i think that's right by the way i have to warn you when you do come in and do um political coverage with when we do the post-debate coverage in november for the third debate um, if if David, who will maybe be producing us, likely be producing us, asks you for a mic test and to like just if you know lyrics to a song, be careful. He did this to me earlier today. He asked me if I knew the lyrics to a Jimmy Buffett song and I just read them off. You know, I spoke them off memory. He put it to music, uh, you know, to karaoke. He'll, he'll do that to you. And God knows it's going to embarrass the hell out of me somewhere. So just be very careful around David. He's tricky. Yeah, this is a karaoke, David. <laughs> it's not karaoke. To, Come him, on. to him it is. You know what this tells me? With the aging president, the god-awful stuff he said on the airplane yesterday and when he was on his way to the Middle East uh, yesterday. God-awful. David, uh, Sam, you know what it tells me? It would be kind of nice if we had some Republican leadership in Washington. Wouldn't, wouldn't right it, now be it, a good time be. to have a strong Speaker of the House? It would be a very good time to have a strong speaker of the House. Um, you know, this is another example, this, this speaker fight yeah. of a problem that you and I have talked about a little bit, which is that, listen, establishment Republicans, when you've lost, 
you need to have the same willingness to play with the base Republicans that they have shown you over the last 20, 30 years. Oh, my, yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yes, yes. yes. Enough of this. I, you know, I was not happy, quite frankly. I did not think it was a good time to go ahead and and overturn McCarthy. I know he, he broke his promises. I know all of that. I think under the circumstance, there were better ways to handle that than what Matt Gates did. But I understood what he did. And now it's very clear that the majority of the Republican base, who who is dominant in terms of our numbers in the, the House of Representatives, wants Jim Jordan. These people holding out and saying, no, it's got to be one of our more establishment Republican types are failing to they're they're making the same mistake we saw Republicans here in Arizona make that led to the election of Katie Hobbs and and all these Democrats here. They, it just you've got to stop this stuff. The base has held faith with all of you for 30 years. Hold some freaking faith back. You know, um it's a test. It really is a test as to whether you put personalities above principles or not. Uh, This was something Goldwater had to deal with throughout the entirety of the 1960s. He lost that small moment of effort at a nomination to Richard Nixon in 1960, and he gave the Let's Grow Up conservative speech and support Richard Nixon because the alternative, he said, was the blueprint for socialism. It's not a blueprint anymore. It's action. It's active. It's it's I mean, I give you Rashida Tlaib. I give you Ilan Omar. And if you think those are fringes of the Democratic Party, riddle me this. Why did Nancy Pelosi support them and fund them in a primary race when they had moderates in the Democratic Party running against them? This is not the fringe of the Democratic Party. It's the soul of the Democratic Party. No, this is the base of the Democratic Party. That's that's fair enough. This is the foundation of it right now. And it's a very toxic foundation, far more so than than, you know, the left tries to paint the Trump Trump base as Um, the Trump base. If you look at the things they're demanding are pretty darn normal. You know, they'd like a secure border. They'd like to stop printing money and be able to buy something with their paycheck again. They'd like to be able to one day buy a house. They'd like to live in communities where they and their families are safe and go to a park and enjoy it on a Saturday without being harassed by 17 nodding off fentanyl, fentanyl abusers. And, you know, I mean, these are what they want is a normal life, a human life, a happy life. And then on the left, you have this radical, violent ideology and top down authoritarian you know, government that they're demanding it's far, far further out. If you if you painted these on the political spectrum, the ideology of the squad of Rashida Tlaib and company is far, far further out than the ideology of a Jim Jordan. Yeah, and but the press in the national uh, narrative doesn't reflect that at all. And the Democratic Party will defend them to the hilt. Defend them to the yeah. hilt. When there was a resolution to condemn anti-Semitism based on Ilan Omar's remarks, they couldn't do it. When the Republicans tried to remove Ilan Omar successfully from a sensitive committee, the Democrats rallied behind her. Uh, as I say, the DCC, the DCCC and Nancy Pelosi funded them over and against their moderate opponents within the primary when there was an effort to moderate the party. Pelosi and the DCCC stood by Omar and Rashida Tlaib. And AOC, for that matter, mm-hmm. and the other squad members, for that matter. This is part and parcel of the party. It is a tremendous irony of our time, this Trump Republican thing, that the warnings about Donald Trump becoming president was he would tank the economy and get us into war. 
That that was that was right. the narrative. So we now have a president who has tanked the economy and gotten us into what are we on three fronts of a war right now? Three front wars, right now, whether Afghanistan, Israel, and um, and and Russia, Ukraine, and and it's not Donald Trump. It's not Donald Trump who did that. No, and and by the way, let's not forget that we are still engaged in regional uh, conflicts, including with Saudi and a a handful of others throughout the Middle East. I mean, it's not just Iraq, Afghanistan. Um, You know, we we still have activities that occur in Syria. We're having activities that occur in many of those areas and and throughout Africa. And we're not prepared for the global conflicts that are facing us. And Joe Biden continues to make this country weaker at a time we need to be stronger. It is a really dangerous thing he's doing. And the vice president's no better. She couldn't even denounce uh, the Islamists who were challenging her at, Nash- at Northern Arizona University two nights ago. You know, she, she's an idiot. She, I mean, it's it just it gets worse and worse. You think the top is bad. Go down the next level. Go down the level before that and go the, the level after that and the level after that. It's it's a it's a it's a descending order of incompetence. Anyway, Sam, sorry I'm so angry today. It's just one of those days. I apologize. No, I'm with you, Seth. Right. It, it is one of those days. All right, we'll get it to uh we'll get we'll we'll get to uh what's that song from the Indigo Girls getting to fine? We'll get to fine at one of these one of these points. <laughs> uh, all right, Sam, love you, brother. Talk to you soon. Sounds good, Seth. Talk to you later. Be good. Dance with me, I want to be your partner, can't you see? Unauthorized, not allowed, no. I, how did that get in there? Who did that? Who author? Who? Why? Why is that in there? That, that was a, a suggestion by From a member who? of our sales staff. Who? Uh, a member of our sales staff. You know, if they want to hear their music... They have access to all kinds of abilities to do that. They ha- well, he heard your your record from this morning and suggests that uh, covering some Willie Nelson might be uh, another follow up act. You know, like the backside, the B side of the record, the deep tr- the deep cuts. <laughs> yes, the deep cuts. Clo- closer to fine as the Indigo. I think I got. I got the lyric wrong. Closer to fine as the Indigo Girls. Portions of this show brought to you by a great company, Y Refi, active in the community and uh, have a hell of an active and great investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve, up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return in a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, with no loss or loss of principal or penalty if you need your money back at any time. No fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Refi, which is a due diligence approved firm. You can earn, as I say, up to a ten and a quarter percent fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest the letter Y then R E F Y dot com. Or call them at eight 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 Y Refi twenty four. Eight 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 Y Refi twenty four. Yeah, I mean we were all shocked just thinking about that conversation with Sam by these uh waves and waves of um throngs of students marching uh for genocidal mania. And we um, ask, you know, this from the 18 and 19 innocent generation of innocents, 18 and 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, some of them in grad school, but primarily younger than that. These are supposed to be, you know, the pure and the innocent. Uh, Where do they get these things? Well, they get them 
from somewhere. They might be getting them a little bit from their parents. I suspect they are getting them more from their professors, these learned ignoramuses, these people that have doctorates and PhDs in very narrow fields who then take their politics more seriously than anything in their discipline and promote the kind of crap that is adopted and absorbed by these students and no one is telling them uh, any different. No one is telling them to do better, to think better. We're not sending our students to colleges uh, and universities to educate them. We're sending them to indoctrinate them. I hope that was made clear over the last two weeks. I hope that was made clear. As I continually say, we would not have youth problems in this country if we didn't have adult problems. You know, it wasn't a 12-year-old that wrote The Wretched of the Earth. It wasn't a 13-year-old that wrote the Communist Manifesto. And it isn't 14- and 15-year-olds who are teaching those things to 10, 11, and 12-year-olds. Grow up, America. Grow up and get serious. Thanks for being with us today. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth Liebson for Mr. Bill, David Dahl, Teresa. God bless and class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.